0: Thanks for checking out this episode of the Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast. In each episode, we discuss a movie and share some fun trivia facts during the conversation. We do our best to release new episodes frequently. Always check on Wednesdays for the latest podcast. Please like us at Facebook.com slash Screen Facts. Post your comments or questions. You can also email ScreenFacts at Yahoo.com or tweet me at Jason Davis Voice. For details about all the different ways to listen to the podcast including accessing past episodes, please visit jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. Joining me on this episode of the show, my lovely and talented, exceptional wife, Sue.
1: Wow, thanks, honey.
0: Always great to do the podcast with you.
1: Always great to do the podcast with you.
0: So we're uh, going to discuss an appropriate movie for this Wednesday because it's the day before... Groundhog Groundhog Day! That's right, campers. What does he say? <laughs> Get your booties on, because it's cold. cold. outside. Yeah, so of course we're going to discuss the great Bill Murray flick, Groundhog Day today. Directed by Harold Ramis, released February 12th, 1993... Of course, as I mentioned, stars Bill Murray, Andy McDowell, Chris Elliott, and Stephen Tobolowsky as the great Ned Ryerson.
1: One of my favorite characters of all movie time.
0: It's a a great one. And we'll talk about that more as we get into the podcast.
1: (laughs) So much so that even when we drive, when Mm. we're out driving and we cross a street that's like Ryerson Ave or Ryerson Road. Ned!
0: Ryerson! Ryerson.
1: (laughs) We have to do it. It's so fun.
0: So uh, the story for the movie was written by Danny Rubin, screenplay by Rubin and Harold Ramis. Estimated budget of $14.6 million, domestic gross of $70.9 million. This movie is number nine on the list of the highest grossing Bill Murray movies. And that's not including movies where he has a cameo or bit part. So something like a Zombieland. Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chosen to be preserved by the National Film Registry in 2007, and Premier voted this movie as one of the 50 greatest comedies of all time in 2006. So, I love this movie.
1: I love this movie. I could watch it over and over again.
0: You know, of course, the character in the movie that Bill Murray plays keeps reliving the same day over and over again. Mm-hmm. This is a movie I can watch over and over exactly. again. And keep enjoying it. Yep. It's, it's funny every time. Yep. It's great.
1: Love it. <laughs> I think part of its appeal Mm -hmm. is that it's very timeless. Yeah. They specifically wrote out or eliminated anything that referred to pop culture of that time. Okay. And they tried to do the costumes very classic Mm -hmm. so that it just would keep going. You know, because there's a lot of comedies that have come out where they're referencing stuff that's going on in the world at that time, which Mm -hmm. is great and funny at that time. And then 20 years from now, people are going to be like, hmm?
0: Yeah, this one really you know, does hold up. It really like, does. You don't feel like you're watching a movie from the early 90s when you're watching it yeah, all. Other specifically, than, you know, everybody looks younger. Yeah,
1: they were specifically trying
0: to do that. Makes sense. Um, you know, the other thing about this film, sadly, is that it kind of has a reputation for causing a rift between Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. I've heard that. Yeah, Murray was in the middle of a kind of a rough patch of his life. He was mm-hmm. going through a divorce when they were filming. And he was kind of obsessing about the film. Is it funny? What's going on? I'm not really sure what's happening. So... He would call Harold Ramis in the middle of the night all the time, and eventually Harold Ramis sent the other writer, Danny Rubin, to sit down with Bill Murray and kind of iron out all the anxieties that he was having.
1: Aww, yeah.
0: And that actually kind of insulted Bill Murray. He stopped speaking to Ramis for you know a few years yeah, because of stuff yeah. like that, which is really sad now that Ramis is gone. I don't know if they reconciled you know, before Ramus passed away. I think they might have. They
1: did. I think I heard they did.
0: But, I mean, these guys are responsible, whether it's in a director-actor capacity mm-hmm. or co-actors right. or writers or yeah. whatever. they're
1: good together. For, for
0: some of the really, like, the funniest movies of this era, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Stripes, Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. this, yep. Caddyshack. Yeah. So there's a lot of really funny movies that both Bill Murray and Harold Ramis are a part of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sad when you hear that, that they... Had a personal issue at some point. Yeah, I
1: I wonder if, you know, by the time they wrapped up filming, if they were still speaking to each other, if they made it through and then they... What was it like going to work every day at that point then?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. But I would think that, you know, they're both pros. So maybe they wanted to, for the good of the project, get it done. And then maybe they kind of went their separate ways for a little while. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, watching the movie... You don't see that.
1: Right. You don't see
0: attention. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there's any kind of, you know, thing going on between them. You know, we were talking about when we were preparing for the podcast and we were getting ready to watch the movie again. Well, did they ever explain why he's stuck in the same day? (laughs) No. Yeah, they never Never did. They never did. But early drafts of the script, did talk about that, you know, why yeah, Phil Connors yeah. was reliving the same day. Right. Supposedly a dissatisfied ex-lover named Stephanie cast a spell <laughs> on him to teach him a <laughs> lesson. I'm kind of glad that they left that yeah. untold.
1: Yeah. And I think I think the production company even went to Ruben and said, oh, no, it, this needs to be a gypsy curse and he needs to do something <laughs> to undo it and blah, blah, blah. And Ruben said, no. Yeah. There's absolutely hokey. no reason for that.
0: Right. It would have been know, very he, hokey.
1: Yeah. Just wanted to see it that way um i read a really cool interview with danny rubin he said he had gone to the movies one day summer 1990 maybe and his wife was home with the baby and he was going out to the movies okay and he brought a book with them it was a vampire book okay so he had like all was already kicking the idea around of like immortality and like you know because vampires live forever and this and that and the other thing so he had had that in the back of his mind for a while how long would it take till it's not fun anymore the eternity, <laughs> you know, because eternities. I mean, think about it. Yeah. That's that's it's, you know, it's big. So, um, how long do you go? What kind of fun can you have? And you know, maybe this is a good idea for a movie. Was what he thought. And then his agent was uh, after him to, you know, oh, you, you should put something in, you know, pr- really get something new, get something quick together. The agent wanted to be able to use it as a calling card to get into movies. So he said he had like a box of index cards with different mm-hmm. ideas on it. So he went back to the one that said, guy wakes up every morning, it's the same day. <laughs> so he was like, hmm, this is a good way to explore the immortality eternity thing. Mm-hmm. Because think about it, if you make a movie about someone who's eternal – you have to cover old wars, you know, the depression, this, that, the future. And he said, that's really expensive. That's a movie that's not going to happen. Right. But when it's the same day over and over, that's very affordable. Yeah,
0: you could do a lot with that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> same
1: set. And you can same make it funny. Same costumes.
0: Right. And you can make it funny, yeah. more importantly, which yeah. certainly works in this case.
1: Yeah. So he um, began writing. And he said, well, let me put it together with a holiday. So he opened up the calendar, and literally the first thing he saw was Groundhog Day. Okay. So that's how he chose Groundhog Day. Cause- oh,
0: so, so there, he, there was actually a possibility this could have been any other day. Yeah. I mean, I figured it made sense that it was Groundhog Day because... Everybody bases, you know, whether there's going to be more winter or an early spring because of the groundhog. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it, it kind of tied into that.
1: I was having so much fun with my research because I started from a different end. I started with what's the real meaning of Groundhog Day and Candlemas and Imbolg and all of those great, you know, pagan festivals that brought <laughs> it together and blah, blah, blah. And the deepness of the this and, you know, the, the beliefs of the settlers, all the stuff. And then he was just just to read, oh, I opened up the calendar. I saw Groundhog Day. It was like, <laughs> oh, Come on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny, too, because I think Groundhog Day is a silly event every yeah. year. I mean, if you really think that a, a rodent is going to predict I know. the weather. <laughs>
1: it's just it's an old German tradition, actually. I'll yeah. tell you more about that later. <laughs> oh, OK.
0: OK. On the DVD, Harold Ramis said that the original idea was for Phil Connors to live February 2nd for about 10,000 years. Right, right. I don't know how exactly they would have shown that.
1: I know. Because nothing changes. And he doesn't age. So, right, right. Yeah.
0: According to the website Wolf Nards, <laughs> Bill Murray spends eight years, eight months, and sixteen days trapped in Groundhog Day.
1: Right. Yep.
0: The website Obsessed with Film claims he was trapped twelve thousand four hundred three days, just under thirty-four years, in order to account for becoming a master piano player, ice sculptor, etc. Mm-hmm,
1: right. He, yeah. Someone even calls him Doctor Connors. Right. At yeah. At the end of the movie.
0: I think at some point. Yeah.
1: So well, it's an honorary title.
0: And one of the, <laughs> one of the other things that uh, Ramis said was that most of the times when he tried to explain a scene to Bill Murray, Murray would say, uh, just tell me, good or bad, Phil? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because he starts off, he's very, yeah. very snarky, very sarcastic, very egocentric. But part of that is that he just doesn't even like himself that much.
0: Right. Well, I, I want to say, as from personal experience, years ago when I was first trying to break into broadcasting, when I was first working in radio part-time, in addition to that... I was working doing camera work for local news Mm -hmm. in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And I can actually confirm that news people, my experience, and this is, I'm not saying it's for everybody, Mm -hmm. but my experience is that there are definitely egos going on in that business, even on a small local level. Like Wilkes-Barre is a decent sized market. I can only imagine what like people in like New York and LA are like. Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a pretty good size market, too. Yeah. It's bigger than yeah. Wilkes-Barre. Well, that's
1: where they are. They're, in, yeah. they're based in Pittsburgh. Yeah,
0: I, I think there has to be a little bit of ego. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to sound like I'm beating up on these people because I think if you're going to go on uh, in front of cameras mm-hmm. and, you know, give the facts and all that, it's probably a pretty stressful kind of thing. You know, you got to make sure you get things right and everything else. Yep. Well, at least um, back then
1: you did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, before
0: the age of alternate facts. Oh, my. All right, let's not get I political. went there. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> okay. Let's, let's
1: get back out of there again.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's climb, climb out of that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's why. So this movie is a little bit even funnier to me because, you know, I've seen people like Phil mm-hmm. Connors, yep. you know, that refer to themselves as the talent. And that's a funny thing to me because <laughs> I do voiceover work uh-huh. and I hate calling myself voiceover talent. Because I feel like that's very pretentious sounding.
1: Wow. I think you have voiceover talent, honey.
0: Well, it's not. I'm not looking for a compliment. I'm just saying that (laughs) I don't know how else to, you know, voiceover professional. What do I call myself? But that's,
1: I mean, in the biz. It is. The actors or the people in front of the camera, whatever that's called, the talent. I
0: know, but it's just funny. So the movie actually wasn't filmed in Punxsutawney either. It
1: was not. It was not. Punxsutawney was chosen because Reuben needed a small claustrophobic kind of place for the character to get stuck. Makes sense. And he also... Had a great reason to tie in the weatherman going to the town to cover the Talk Festival. Right. So once he named the character Phil, he was like on a roll, oh, on yeah. a roll with it. Do you know he did some research and he wrote notes and did all that stuff for around seven weeks. But then when he sat down to write the script, it was one week.
0: Wow. So he had sort of an outline yeah. for seven weeks, yeah. and then he just put it all together really fast yep. with uh, with Harold Ramis. Yep. That's very cool. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a great example of if you're prepared, mm-hmm. things usually work out a lot smoother.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing was his agent read it and said, wow, this is great. This is the best script I've ever written, which I think is what agents tell their writer clients all the time. But anyway, um, <laughs> probably. But he said, this is a great script and I'm not going to be able to sell it. Oh, really? Yeah. And they, it was, he was right. They, it took him a long time. They took it around to a lot of places, around to a lot of meetings. And it took around a year to get it to land on Harold Ramis' desk. And finally, Harold Ramis looked at it and said, yes, we can, can do I can do this. something with it. Now, I wonder why that was the
0: case. I don't know. I don't know if the the early drafts of the script were super different from what became the film. Yeah. But, I mean, this is a funny, yeah. funny movie. I mean,
1: all the producers they asked said, I love it. I can't make it.
0: Wow. Isn't
1: that crazy? Yeah, that is. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So they
0: shot in Woodstock, Illinois, just 45 miles from Bill Murray's hometown of Wilmette. Mm -hmm. There's a small plaque that reads Bill Murray stepped here on the curb. (gasps) where uh, Bill Murray kept stepping into the giant puddle. Oh,
1: yeah, that's a doozy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And there's also a plaque on the building wall at the corner that says Ned's Corner, where uh, Bill Murray keeps being accosted by Ned Ryerson.
1: Yep, yep, yep.
0: Uh, The actual Gobbler's Knob, where the ceremony takes place every year, Mm -hmm. is a rural wooded area about two miles outside of Punxsutawney. That's right. It's kind of interesting. You know, you look at this town in the movie, Mm -hmm. and you go, it's sort of charming.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah, it seems, it seems like a cool me, place that you, you wouldn't mind
0: visiting and yeah. spending maybe, you know, a few days, the bed and breakfast. You know, yeah. you take in the uh, the local whatever and
1: mm-hmm.
0: nice little quiet getaway. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Speaking of getaways, <laughs> if you wanted to, we could hop in the car. Uh-huh. We could drive around six hours. Okay. And we would land in Punxsutawney. Oh, okay. Okay. So Punxsutawney has a Groundhog Day festival and it's like... Four or five days, maybe. Okay. And it starts, you know, obviously before Groundhog Day. Oh, okay. Okay. So it all culminates with Phil coming out and giving the forecast. Okay. And then the big thing that night, remember in the movie, they, they had a di- like some dinner and dancing the night before. Oh, okay. And then you see them going to see the Groundhog and then later they have the dinner dance. Okay. So, um, so there is
0: stuff, there's stuff before and after the actual Groundhog sees his shadow yeah, or doesn't see his yeah, shadow. Yeah, yeah. So um, a couple of days before, and maybe a couple of days after mm-hmm. Groundhog Day too. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So some of the things that happened before is they have like a top hat decorating contest for the kids. Mm-hmm. Very cute. They have a dog costume competition, best Groundhog Day in winter wear, <laughs> and it's not only based on the costume; it's creativity, stage presence, and relevance to the category entered. Okay. So I'm sure we could win that yeah. if we put our hearts to
0: it. Oh so yeah. So maybe next you're good year.
1: Maybe right. next year we should plan ahead. Okay. And do this.
0: I'm serious. We're going to dress the dog up as a groundhog? Why
1: not? (laughs) They also have a Groundhog Day cornhole tournament. Okay. And if you win, you get two inner circle section passes for Groundhog Day. Wow. Yes, that gets you in there for the forecasting and the dinner dance the next night.
0: That's the big time right there. That's big
1: time. (laughs) They also have Gobbler's Knobs. Got Talent.
0: Oh, okay. takes place at
1: the Punxsutawney uh, Community Center every year. Uh-huh. Two finalists get inner circle passes, a parking pass, and the opportunity to perform on the stage at Gobbler's Knob.
0: Wow. I know. So this so, is really a big deal. Yeah,
1: so judges <laughs> get it to the finalist point. They perform on the stage at Gobbler's Knob, and then the grand prize winner is determined on Groundhog Day morning by the crowd, grand prize 500
0: bucks wow we gotta go we should man it'd be worth the ride just for that right it would be
1: (laughs) i would also go to woodstock illinois because you know why what they do out there
0: They do stuff there, too? This
1: movie has transformed two towns. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They have a (laughs) dinner dance. They have free showings of the movie Groundhog Day. Mm -hmm. And they do a walking tour of some of the sites in the movie. Oh, okay. Which would be really cool. Yeah. Um, What I think is super cool, I'm going to skip over most of this, but (laughs) I do have to mention... You were saying, you know, stay in a bed and breakfast. Mm -hmm. And that bed and breakfast does look very sweet. The room itself, they filmed in a warehouse.
0: Yes, the interiors of Bill Murray's room at the bed and breakfast were filmed in an empty warehouse in Cary, Illinois.
1: Yeah. But (laughs) what they did at the Royal Victorian Manor, they made a Bill Murray's room. And they have a clock radio encased in plexi in that, the parlor.
0: That only plays I Got You, Babe? They rigged it into a coin
1: slot. When you insert a quarter, it plays I Got You, Babe, and then the radio announcements after.
0: And it's like the guys?
1: It's like in the main room. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's funny. You know, the guys that did the uh, the DJ stuff? It was Harold Ramis and uh, Brian Doyle Murray.
1: Oh, how cool. Yeah. So, you know, Roadside America's got a lot of cool information on visiting Woodstock, Illinois, if you're interested. <laughs> I think it would be so cool. Get an RV and go to all the places that we've learned about from all the different movies.
0: It's funny because we've talked about a lot of movies that the locations are celebrated. Like, you know, way back at the beginning of the podcast, Mm -hmm. I did did an episode about Field of Dreams. Right. And you could still go to that place in Iowa. Yeah. Which I think would be amazing.
1: Yeah. Remember when we did Goonies? Mm -hmm, And I was saying I would love to go to Oregon and Mm -hmm. see that town because they have stuff set up there. When we talked about Wonderful Life, you can go up to the town... That they based uh, Bedford Falls on and mm-hmm. they have a whole bunch of stuff. I think that would be so fun.
0: And of course, when you and I went to Philadelphia for Tim's 40th birthday, we, we ran up the steps where Rocky ran. And you you could ran, see yourself, I walked. <laughs> you can see, you know, Rocky's footprints are I in the, the cement there, which is very cool. <laughs> and we, you know, took pictures by the statue. I
1: think it would be fun to take a movie vacation. Yeah,
0: I think that could be a fun thing. A lot, a lot of people talk about visiting every major league ballpark.
1: Yeah, we could you go know, to the movie locations. Because, uh, you know, uh, you look at a movie. I mean, I look at this this movie and it's so funny because I always think it's Punxsutawney. Mm-hmm. Even though it was Woodstock. Right. But I'm like, that looks like such a nice town to it visit. It does. It does look
0: pretty cool. Like a, like a town that time forgot, maybe. Yeah. If, assuming that it looks the same as it does in the movie. Right, right. A little bit. Well, some
1: has changed. But uh, if you take the tour, they'll point out what's, what's different now. Yeah. But, you know, like everybody knows each other. Yeah. You know, it's just nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You imagine that the people that live in that small town are similar to the ones in the movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's, and there's a lot of really funny stuff in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of charming. Yeah, and I think it really that is. We all, I think, certainly uh, romanticize a little bit about that sort of thing. Yeah. Because yeah. everybody's, depending on where you live in the country, there's a lot of fast-paced stuff going on all the yeah. time. And everybody's, you know, yeah. disagreeing about this or that yeah. and, and everything else. You barely else. know
1: your neighbors. No one yeah. hangs out with their neighbors anymore.
0: True. True. Most know? of the time. So, yeah, so when you see in a movie, like, everybody knowing each other, it's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, So I
0: think it would be fun to experience yeah.
1: that. Wait, and in the beginning, he hates that. Yeah. He hates it. Yeah. You know, and Rita's the one going, well, I Because he thinks he's think above it, that's why. Yeah, I think it's sweet. They do this, they do that, mm-hmm. and look at these people. They sing, and then when they get cold, they warm up by the fire, then they go and sing again, and what does he <laughs> say back to her?
0: It's because they're hicks, Rita. <laughs>
1: exactly well you it know what just, it is it bothers him so much in the because beginning.
0: he's such a uh, an elite he thinks he's yeah. you know he thinks he's above all that yeah yeah because he's the talent you know yeah it's his goal to like get there, do the report, yeah. and get out of there as fast as he yeah. can. Yeah. So the scenes of Bill Murray filming his weather predictions at the news station in the beginning, and when they introduced Andy McDowell's character, they weren't actually fully formed until the editing process. So they actually had to go back and shoot that when everything else was done, which I think is interesting. Most people realize that films are shot out of sequence most yeah. of the time. Yeah. But it's it's interesting how what becomes sort of the Center of the movie, the relationship between those two characters mm-hmm. was something that wasn't even really fully fleshed out when they were filming, which is kind of yeah. Neat.
1: That's interesting. I love in the beginning when she's standing in front of the blue screen and her jacket yeah. like matches it, and she's doing like the yeah where she's sort of ogam. invisible. Yeah, you know, it's really cute. <laughs> it just shows you like she's you know she can enjoy the simple things.
0: His report is great in front of the blue screen, and you know when he does the blow thing mm-hmm. and, and the clouds yep. move on the screen. Uh, the scene where Bill Murray gets out of the news van and he talks to the state trooper oh yeah—when in, in the middle of the snowstorm was on the Amstutz Expressway uh, under the Grand Avenue overpass just outside of downtown Waukegan, Illinois. Okay. The Amstutz Expressway was also used in another great film that we've talked about on the podcast, the big chase scene in the Blues Brothers.
1: Ah, yes.
0: There was a, a decent amount of improv in the movie, too. Which, you know, you probably could have expected with Bill Murray as your oh, star. Oh, yeah. and, and Harold is yeah, directing. Yeah. During the filming of the scene when he kidnaps the groundhog, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a funny sequence, uh, Bill Murray improvised the line, don't drive angry, don't drive angry, <laughs> to cover the fact that the groundhog is kind of trying to get away from him. He's on, his la- on Bill Murray's lap.
1: Yep, yep. He's trying to
0: climb over the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Well, the groundhog was so agitated that he ended up biting Bill Murray, and yep. the bites were so bad that he had to have, like, rabies shots yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So he got hurt a little yeah. bit.
1: Yeah, uh, Bill Murray was actually bit three times during the filming, like Unbelievable. big-time bites.
0: Listen, it's tough working with animals, right? It's
1: tough. Kids <laughs> and animals, isn't that what they say? That's what
0: they say. Yeah. They're, and they're, Phil You the ground- never know what you're going to get. It's
1: true. Phil the Groundhog himself has a very, very interesting history.
0: He does. He does.
1: Wouldn't you like me to tell you about I it? I would love
0: for you <laughs> to tell me about it.
1: Well... Apparently, Phil is around 127 years old. What? I know. Well, the average groundhog only lives to be around 6 to 8 years old.
0: Okay. But
1: every year at the Groundhog Picnic in the summer in Punxsutawney, Mm -hmm. Uh Phil has a sip of the Elixir of Life. I see. No one can see me doing my air- quotes around that the elixir kind of changes his appearance a little bit which is why he might be a little more gray one year (laughs) and then 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 he's a little browner then he's a little more black
0: it's not because it's a different groundhog. no 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 it's all the
1: same groundhog drinking the elixir of life
0: that's correct okay um
1: alas the elixir does not work on humans uh one of the wardens of the inner circle of the groundhog club Co handler of Phil said, We've tried it on humans. It just makes them fat and bald. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Phil oh, has a no. wife. He's had many wives, actually, since he's so old. Okay. He's had quite a few, um, but he always finds love again when his oh. current wife passes away. His wife's name, Phyllis. I was going to say, it
0: has to be Phyllis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have kids. There's nothing wrong with him. He's been asked if there's any reproducing problems mm. and the, the answer is no. He has strong sperm. He's very fine, but he and his wife decided that they're too busy to have a family. So he loves kids and he considers everybody to be his kids. Oh, okay. Kind of like Santa, I guess. Oh, okay. Isn't that sweet? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's so funny that this rodent has a backstory. I know, it's I so it. cute. So, um, you know, as the film <laughs> progresses, of course, well, first off, Phil Connors, he's really frustrated in the beginning. Yeah. But then he starts to use it to his advantage, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which it becomes very funny in the movie, right. like the scene with Nancy.
1: Oh, my gosh. Where yeah. He gets,
0: you know, she's doing that really awkward little dancing. Dog- Everyone yeah.
1: in Punxsutawney in this movie dances with their hands funny.
0: Yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> but there was also a scene shot where Phil destroys his room, Phil Connors, uh, where he slashes pillows. He spray paints the walls, all kinds of stuff. He also shaves his head. Then the camera oh, pulls back God. from his face to show that his hair and the room were back to normal the next morning. Harold Ramis uh, sort of had a hard time making the dissolving solving shot match, so they ended up just changing it to Phil breaking a pencil instead.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot easier. Yeah, it's a lot easier, a lot but easier. I think easier. it's you know interesting. that's in the real like beginning when he first real realizes what's going on. Oh yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, so frustrating. Yeah, because he's so, he doesn't want to be there. So yeah. Another thing that I think is cool though, when, when he does start to use it to his advantage, and he, mm-hmm. you know he starts playing the piano yeah. and all that. We've talked about this before on the Ghostbusters podcast. Mm-hmm. But the song that Phil plays on the piano at the bar when he's jamming with the band oh, yeah. it's called Cleaning Up the Town. It was also featured in Ghostbusters. In Ghostbusters, the song plays when Murray, Aykroyd, and Ramis are fleeing the library in the beginning. Okay. So let's talk about Ned Ryerson.
1: Oh, I love Ned Ryerson.
0: One of the funniest characters ever. And that actor, he's a great character actor. Yeah. Stephen Tobolowsky. Yep. Yep. And how like, each time... It's sort of the same, but right, sort of different right. that he encounters Ned. Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, the first setup, you know, you don't remember. Don't tell me you don't remember me because I sure, sure as, as fire remember, remember you. you. And then what do you do now? I sell insurance. Of course you do.
0: <laughs> Ned. Royerson. Ned the head. Needle knows knows Ned. Head. Come on, buddy. <laughs> Bing. So, So I think by the time Bill Murray comes around and he's starting to become a nicer guy in the movie. Mm-hmm. When Ned comes up to him, Bill Murray actually ad-libbed the line when he tells Ned, "I don't know where you're headed, but can you call in sick?" Oh, I love that when he's and he hugs him. him. Yeah, and he yes. hugs him. And, and you can Ned just see, see
1: Ned's face is like, Ugh.
0: <laughs> um, and the store Lloyd's that was seen in the background and all of the Ned Ryerson scenes, they actually tried to sue the production for several thousand dollars. What they were claiming lost business. I think being in the movie that much would probably be a good thing, Now, Yeah,
1: and plus people will, you know, in the area will go there to see it.
0: Right. So if you're keeping score, Rita slaps Phil 10 times during the course of the film.
1: And they are good slaps, too.
0: The, di- <laughs> the diner that was used in the movie is now a Starbucks, of course. Of
1: course. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they shot 25 takes of the closing scene where Bill Murray wakes up next to Annie McDowell. They weren't sure if Phil and Rita should be in their clothes or not. Harold Ramis had everyone on the set, the cast and crew, vote as to how it should be played. The winning vote was that the couple should still be in their clothes and not had sex yet.
1: And I think that also helps you believe that Bill Murray's character has snapped out of his selfish yeah. face yeah you know and it's actually kind of cute because in the morning he goes to kiss her and she's like oh where was this last night you just fell asleep yeah you know yeah because
0: the whole movie he's pawing at her yeah, he's and trying, trying. To he's lucky. trying
1: so hard he tries all these different attempts i love how the, <laughs> the whole... ice
0: cream and the fudge and <laughs>
1: the... <laughs> i ate fudge <laughs> the, po- had
0: the uh the french poetry <laughs> yeah. and i love with the uh when he orders the drink. sweet vermouth yeah. yeah which by the way is harold Ramis' wife's favorite drink. Uh-huh. Yeah. I love, you know, when uh, she's always, oh, yeah, and, and she's like, I always like to uh, toast to world peace. Yeah. And then the next day of the show, I'm doing that. Yeah.
1: So and funny. then it gets him a little bit further each time. Yeah. And her reactions. So I like to drink to world peace and you see her going like, oh, oh you know, oh, and they get a good. little further. But yeah. then it always eventually ends up with a Right. slap. A slap. <laughs> yeah. Because he always <laughs> he just, just takes it one step yeah. too
0: far. So funny.
1: So how, how many times did they go out on that date in his world?
0: I don't know. Yeah. Too funny. (laughs) Yeah. And the final shot where Phil carries Rita over the gate and then climbs over it.
1: Oh, that was because the gate was actually frozen shot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is funny.
0: Very cute. Well, you know. But, you know, it's funny because it really works for the scene anyway.
1: Let's live here. We'll rent to start.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So there were a couple of casting notes that I wanted to mention. Okay. So Harold Ramis originally wanted Tom Hanks to play Phil. And also consider Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, and John Travolta, but decided that they were all too nice okay. to play that character, which I yeah. think is interesting. This
1: is a great part for Bill Murray. Yeah. I thought. A lot of people consider this role his springboard.
0: Okay. Because up
1: until then he had really just done comedy.
0: And like he wacky. was really
1: seen largely as a clown. Right. But after that, he was considered a more complex actor.
0: Yeah, because there's, you know, a little bit of depth to the character. It's not just, you know. Yeah. Done for laughs the whole time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And his, you know, he starts out so cynical, but then he ends up very sincere, Mm -hmm. but there's no cliches about it. There's nothing stereotypical. I think he's a really great actor.
0: Oh, absolutely. In general. We may or may not have talked about this on a past episode of the podcast when we've talked about Bo Murray, Mm -hmm. but um, St. Vincent. Yes. I can't say enough about his performance in that movie. How he was not nominated for an Oscar for that Mm -hmm. is beyond me. Great Mm -hmm. movie, and he was absolutely Mm -hmm. fantastic in that.
1: So 100% believable.
0: Yeah, and that's actually a great role for Melissa McCarthy, too. Mm -hmm. Very different from what she normally does. So highly recommend St. Vincent if you're a Bill Murray fan. Absolutely.
1: I also heard that before Andy McDowell, they were considering giving the part of Rita to Tori Amos.
0: I mean, I don't know much about her. Other than she's a singer. Yeah.
1: Back then, Angie McDowell didn't really have much of a film career, right? She was a model.
0: Um, she. This was probably one of her biggest roles at had that she time. Had done other parts? Like, she in, had done, yeah. You know. She had oh, okay. done a couple of things okay. before this. Sex, Lies, in Videotape was one. Okay. Um, she also did one of the Tarzan movies. Oh, Okay. And some other stuff. Huh. But this was probably uh, like one of her biggest, yeah, yeah. biggest successes. I thought
1: she was adorable in yeah, I no, love watching good. her. Yeah. Like she's the kind of female lead that, you know, you can just get behind because she's so cute, you know?
0: Yeah. And then she did Multiplicity with oh, Michael yes. Keaton, okay. another movie directed by Harold Ramis. Yes. Okay. So Bill Murray, Chris Elliott, Brian Doyle, Murray, and Robin Duke from this movie are all former cast members of Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. In fact, Brian Doyle Murray and Duke were in the same cast during the
1: 1981
0: to 82 season. Okay. And uh, Sean Shihavat, who played the boy that uh, Phil catches when he falls out of the tree when he when he has Never to ever
1: thank me. Yeah, when he has
0: to go run all the errands. <laughs> See you, and... you
1: tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: he's now a TV news reporter for WCVB in Boston. Oh,
1: that's funny.
0: He worked in Orlando for a little while, and then he moved to Boston. So I think that's cool that he ended up doing sort yeah. of what Bill Murray does in the movie. Yeah, yeah he's not yeah. a weather guy. Not weather he's like, though, right? yeah, he's a, a reporter, I mean, a street news, reporter. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. So what else you got?
1: The thing that struck me is how many different people find the relevance of this still to today, mm-hmm. including people of different faiths and how they use it, you know, in their own spirituality. Oh man, I mean, um, like karma
0: and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: obviously that's the obvious. Danny Rubin said the movie was never intended by me or by Harold to be anything more than a good, heartfelt, entertaining story. We had some terrific conversations about Buddhism and reincarnation, about Superman and the (laughs) ethics of not saving everybody, uh, you know, other philosophical ideas, but we never anticipated the impact the film would have. The message that's commonly found everywhere, just the, the essential truth of is when we get beyond denial and resentment over the conditions of life and death, then we can accept our situation then life ceases to be a problem and we can become authentic and compassionate. Okay. That's a little deep, but think (laughs) about it because he goes through a big transformation.
0: Yeah. And you thought this was just going to be a conversation about a silly movie.
1: I know. (laughs) I know. Early in the movie, Mm -hmm. Phil gorges on food. Right. Right. Later in the movie, he provides a feast for the old man. Right. Earlier in the movie, he keeps killing himself. Uh Uh-huh. Later in the movie, he starts saving people. Right. Right. Earlier, he injures people's self-esteem with sarcasm, He drives people away. Later, he draws people to him. You know, once you accept the fact that you're, you are where you are, mm-hmm. that's when good things can start to happen.
0: Makes sense. I
1: think. Yeah. Um, and you should make the most of what you have with your time at hand. Yeah.
0: And that's something that that we've read about a lot, you know, when you talk about law of attraction stuff mm-hmm. and the secret and all exactly. that. If anybody's into that. It's yep. always about being grateful, showing gratitude for what you have yep. and being happy with what you have.
1: Exactly. Instead of
0: constantly wanting more.
1: Exactly.
0: It's okay to want things, but I think it's counterproductive to a happy life to only be concerned with things that you don't have yeah. and want. Yeah.
1: Oh, definitely. That's so. just make yourself miserable. Yeah. Yeah. When you see he's kind of settling into the day when, you know, when he's teaching Rita to toss the uh, cards. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's like one of the few clues about how long he's been there, actually. Mm-hmm. The, the film doesn't really offer too many clues and that's one of the few. When he's like, Oh, if you do this for a half hour, <laughs> you know, every day for five months or whatever it was, oh, okay. you get pretty good. <laughs> okay, <yeah. laughs> but you know, making the most of what you have, I mean I'll tear up over anything. I <laughs>
0: Believe me, I tear up too. I it's get like,
1: this act I actually get a little teary at the end too. Sure. You know, when he talks about you know, you know, the the warmth of the the people and mm-hmm. the this and the that.
0: I think the reason that you get teary-eyed, and, and I'm touched too, is that, you know, you see this character go through this major transformation. And the, if you're not touched by that, check your pulse. Because, yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking about it now. There's three Bill Murray movies where his character goes through a big transformation. Oh, okay, because
1: I was thinking of Scrooged.
0: Right. Okay. This and St. Vincent. Yes. St. Okay, Vincent, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he's still... A curmudgeon yeah, yeah. at the end of that. Not his... you know, no. Spo- I mean, that's not really a spoiler, yeah, I don't think. Yeah. But he definitely, you know, transforms. Mm-hmm. But Scrooge, every time we watch Scrooge, I tear I I up at the end because of that. Because he
1: goes from so mean and rotten to yeah. he's really feeling, you can see him feeling the joy of being happy.
0: Yeah. And I know that that's an that old story. Yeah. But, you know, Dickens and all that. Yeah, but but that's... still, the way he does it, yeah. he gets me every time. Because yeah. he's so, like, I really believe him. Yeah. You know, he's so good. Yeah. You so, know, f- yeah. to have
1: somebody who, you know, was absolutely Scrooge saying, you know, just go up to someone and give him a sandwich and say, here. Right. You know, and I'm like, yes, yes.
0: Yeah. And not to be preachy, but God, we need that nowadays more we than do. ever. We do.
1: We do just need to be happy where we're at and ha- want to help each other just yeah. for the reason of helping. Yeah. Not looking for anything in return. Right. Exactly. Absolutely.
0: You know, it's a a tough world out there, people.
1: (laughs) So put your woolies
0: on. (laughs) You know, if you don't want to love each other, if it's too much to ask to love each other, just be kind to each other. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we could finish on a better note than that. I don't think so. Honey, as always, thank you for spending the time with me to do this.
1: And you know what? If I woke up tomorrow and we were going to do this all over again, I'd be happy about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> me too. And thanks to you for listening. We always appreciate it. And we always appreciate your feedback. If you have any comments, questions, or anything, remember our Facebook page is facebook.com slash You can email us to screenfacts at yahoo.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Davis Voice. Please support the show by rating and commenting on iTunes. It'll just take a couple of minutes. Doesn't cost you anything. And remember that we do our best, as I mentioned earlier, to release new episodes frequently. We'll try to do one or two a month at least. Always check on Wednesdays for the latest show. For details about all the different ways to stream and download the podcast, including past episodes, please visit jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. Show theme music by AudioNautics.com, and special thanks to our announcer, Kim McKay from kimsvoice.com.
1: Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.